<laughs> You're now listening to the Inside Out Podcast with Jimmy Hunt. Get it. Welcome to Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. My job is simple, to improve my mental fitness through any means possible and deconstruct what works, what doesn't, and what I think may be able to help you become mentally fitter. And quite often it leads me to some pretty interesting people, places, and stories. And today we've got two of those things. A pretty interesting person, my wife, the lovely Libby Grace. Hi, Libby. Hi, Jimmy Hunt. Libby doesn't want to be here because she's super tired, because the kitten scratched her at 5.30 this morning and she's had a bad sleep. But she'll be just fine, won't you, Libby? It's not the reason I'm tired, but yeah, I'll be fine. All right. Um, And we've got some pretty interesting stories because today we're going to talk about how to look after relationships. Now, I always like to start off most things by asking the question, why? Why should we give a shit about this? But, I mean, this is reasonably obvious, right? We want to be able to maintain our friendships because friends are nice. And there's lots of scientific reasons too. Friendships have been proven over and over and over again through all sorts of studies to increase life happiness and satisfaction. And they've actually, it's actually proven to make us live longer. And in her book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying, Australian nurse Bronnie Ware listed not maintaining friendships as one of people's biggest deathbed regrets. Keeping close friends is an essential part of life that gives us meaning and fulfillment. That's the why. But how many friends should we have? Well, apparently our minds, they can deal with 150 friendships. But it's really between 100 and 200, depending on how extroverted you are. And typically we have a core group of three to five very close friends. What's referred to as a support clique. They're our real, to use one of your favorite terms, Libby Grace, ride or die. Friends, uh, there are deep, meaningful connections. And from there, we tend to have a cluster of 10 sort of close friends who round out our most important support network. And they're people whose deaths would devastate us, whose loyalty we cherish, and uh, who we would probably like to see on a birthday. After that, we usually have about 35 less close, but still lovely friends. And then about 100 people in a more tenuous friendship category. And about 75% of this group are acquaintances and about 25% are extended family. And any of these circles can include family members because sometimes they're the friends with whom we happen to share our DNA. And our romantic partners, well, they get a whole other category all on their own. And this research came from an evolutionary psychologist called Dr. Robin Dunbar at Oxford University, who measured the neocortex of our brains and did some fancy maths to sort all that out. But let's start by focusing on the core group. These are our most important allies in the pursuit of 
happiness and self-esteem and well-being and mental fitness. And there's some research by an academic called Susan Diggers-White, and she found that people with three to five close friends report the highest level of life satisfaction. But also importantly, people who are pleased and comfortable with the number of friends they have, no matter what number that was, also reported high life satisfaction. So there we go. We know that uh, maintaining friendships, having friends is good. We know, we've talked about it before, that we're in a loneliness epidemic. And so, uh, I can't remember what number it was, but going back a bit, we'll link to, the, link to it in the, uh, in the description of the podcast, but I did an episode on how to make friends over 30 because that's really important. But then once we've made them, how do we maintain them? And this is, I guess, uh, it's, a, it's a strong suit of mine, I think, which is born out of distance. Because as we know, Libby and I live in Mexico. And, you know, out of sight, out of mind is a serious thing with friends. And sometimes, you know, you can sit there and go, man, no one loves me. No one's checking in on me. No one's thinking about me. And you get all down on that. And I, when I had low mental fitness, when I was depressed, that's definitely what I thought. I thought that no one liked me. Nobody was reaching out to me. Nobody cared. I had no friends and I was alone. But the truth is, I think we have to understand that everybody is the center of their own universe. You are the center of your own universe, and so is everybody else. And you are the most important person to you, obviously, but you are not the most important person to everybody else, and that's okay. And so that realization was a really big one for me to allow me to understand that it wasn't that people didn't care about me. It was just that they had their own shit going on. Libby and I, we have our own shit going on, don't we? We just, you know, can get caught up in our own little bubble, just do our own things. And then off the back of that, you know, sometimes we think nobody is thinking about us. And that's sad. But it can also be liberating. No one is thinking about you. It's a freedom. And this is sort of tip number one for maintaining friendships. If you're thinking about somebody, tell them. If you think something nice about someone, tell them. Actually, part of the the genesis of this podcast was uh, I thought about my old hairdresser. Yesterday, my friend Jay, I haven't seen him in many, many years, I haven't talked to him in many, many years, but I was having chicken and rice and it reminded me that uh, him and I used to go for lunch and have chicken and rice quite often. And uh, today I'm going to send him a message, just checking in on him, just saying hi. Now he's obviously not in my core group of three to five, but he is in that 
is in that broader group of people who I, you know, I feel are friends. And, you know, even just that one check-in after many years allows that contact to stay fresher. One of the big things that I think really is important on maintaining friend groups is quality over quantity. We've only got so much effort in us, don't we, Libby? (laughs) We've only got so many words in us to be able to talk and so much energy to be able to do things. And so we need to ration that and we need to put it in places where it's important. And so as, you know, that guy said, we cannot, uh, we cannot maintain more than 150 friendships. And that's at the, that's at the broad, broad level. You know, it's hard for us to maintain friendships probably in the, you know, in the two dozen maybe. And so if we spread ourselves thin, it makes it much harder to do it. And so we want to be able to really focus on the time and energy going in to the quality relationships, not just the quantity ones. And so we do that, and especially true for us, being so far away, we do that by actually having to be proactive. I mean, we'd all love to be the person where all of the friends are coming to us, but that's sure as hell not the truth for me. It's not the truth for a lot of people. And so we are the ones that have to be proactive in order to be able to, you know, maintain and deepen these friendships. And so one of the simplest things to do is check in on other people, right? Do you do that very often, Libby? Do you check in on your, on your friends in New Zealand? Not as often as I should or want to. I think about them a lot, but I don't always um, reach out and check in. I do, I do occasionally. I do have the, the people that do that for me more so. So you only, you check in on the people that check in on you? I, yeah, because I, those are my three to five. Yeah. I check in on those people a lot more regularly than people I haven't um, spoken to or don't have a close connection with. And we are so far removed here that I, you know, we are in our own little world doing our own thing and. I mean, I don't hear from my friends very often at all. So um, I just, every now and then, will go into Bitmoji and find something funny and send a little pixelated version of myself into their WhatsApp and then might start a little dialogue or it might not. But yeah, I'm not very good at checking in on people. So do you think you could apply my rule there, which is if you think something nice about someone or you a nice memory or thinking of somebody then you could just put it into a WhatsApp? Yeah, I do that. I always do that. If they pop into my mind for no reason, then I will always like say, "This is." I was just thinking about you and I hope you're well. Like that's, we'll send you love or whatever it is that that message turns into. So I always do that, but I don't make a habit of checking on people. 
um, like on a regular schedule like you do. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do actually sort of, I said to you the other night, didn't I? I said, after dinner, I'm going to go and, and make some phone calls. Yeah. And uh, I'm especially uh, cognizant of my friends in Auckland right now who are still in lockdown where it's getting even harder. Mm. Um, so that's a, that's a very proactive thing for those people, especially the ones that I know who are by themselves. The, one of the people that I, that I check in regularly who is by himself um, is the lovely voiceover man from this very podcast. The guy that does the intro and the outro, Glenn Manchester, is by himself. Uh, he lives by himself in Auckland and yeah, lockdowns suck mm-hmm. when, when you're by yourself. So I make sure to check in on him. And even just the principle of over the last year, checking in on him every um, every lockdown has deepened our relationship. And I think like he's genuinely appreciated it and our relationship and our friendship has got better because of that. Yeah, that makes sense. And so, and this is the, this is the thing, like um, I have my own hierarchy for uh, relationship uh, communication, let's call it. And so my hierarchy is obviously in person is best, right? So catching up, you went with a walk. You went for a walk with your friend this morning. Yeah, that is uh, that is a quality activity in order to deepen friendships. Then my second is a video chat. Yeah, yeah. Libby hates a video chat, but the ability be, to be able to actually see the other person's face, their expressions, and connect in that way is powerful. And then after that is a phone call. And then after that is a text. And those are just sort of, you know, the four predominant ways that we, that we communicate these days. And so the cool thing is a text, even though it's very low level, is very easy. Like you could literally spend five minutes and start 50 communications with friends that takes not much effort at all in order to put in to maintain that. You know, the other night, as I said, I usually put aside about an hour and I'll do one or two or three calls slash video chats in that time to be able to just check in and see how people are, see where it's at. Yeah, but you're lucky. You can make a call and be done in 20 minutes and make two or three calls in an hour. My if I end up in a phone conversation or a video chat with a friend, it's two and three hours later that I'm hanging up. Well, like, that's good friendships. Congratulations. Well, no, it is. You're it's, very rich in relationships. No, it is it is great and I do enjoy doing that, but I actually have to block out time for it so it's not as accommodating for me. I schedule, I have to schedule calls with girlfriends around the world and be like, on this day at this time, we're both sitting down and spending this time together. And it does go sometimes for two hours, yep. which is wonderful. But how many of those friends do you do that with? I've only got like three friends I do that okay, with. Okay, so the, like if you, did, if you did them once a month each, that's six hours a month. 
Yeah, but it's yeah. but that's a big chunk of your day gone. Oh like, yeah. And so I mean it's just it is I justify it as being just the same as if I were we were both in New Zealand and we went out for brunch. That would be exactly. how long we'd sit together. So exactly. it's no big deal. But when you are busy and also time zones are a bit of a nightmare as well, like trying to get a time that you're both available. So cool. I'd love to be able to sit down and have 20 minute chats with people um, reg- more regularly, but I don't feel like for me, there's the depth of conversation there. That's literally like, how are you? How's the weather? Like I'll talk to your mum for 20 minutes because yeah. we don't have big, deep and meaningfuls, but we're happily talk for 20 minutes about what's going on in each other's lives. But I don't really have those kind of friendships that I would want to do that. No, but you, you know. but as you said, you've got three of them and that's, that's your three to five. That's your average. That's your mm-hmm. good amount that increases life happiness and life satisfaction. But what I feel bad about is all those other friends who I love, who I don't, are not in my three to five, but would be if I was allowed 30 to 50, then I don't, get in touch with them as much because I know that unless I'm sitting down at my phone, for example, a lot of my friends and I will con- communicate through Instagram messages. But if I'm not sitting down with my phone on me, replying to each message as it happens, I might put my phone down and go do something else. And then I don't get back to them that hour. And then I don't get back to them for a day. And I'm like, oh my God. And then I'll go into my messages the next time and realize I haven't replied. So I'm terrible at that kind of communication. I don't finish off the chat. They all know that about me and I'm sure they forgive me and they love me anyway. But I, unless I'm sitting down and focused on this is what I'm doing, I'm, I'm putting time in my calendar to make these calls or to make this communication happen, I'm like waffling along doing something else. And it, it's, I don't think that's a, I don't, something I'd like to improve in myself and be better at, but I kind of would rather just sit down and have a three-hour conversation with that person. Yeah. Well, that's, that comes down to priorities, right? And so communicating in that way is not a priority to you and you prioritize a whole bunch of other stuff and off you go. Mm-hmm. And so you know, if you want to maintain those friendships better, you've got to change your priorities in association with them. And so you can either uh, schedule them for a – better version of the communication, whether it's a phone call or a video chat, or you can actually prioritize even just the text messages slightly more. Otherwise, you can keep it exactly as it is, but you understand where they sit in your hierarchy of friends. Yeah, and that's probably how it will always be, but I kind of also don't want them to think that they're not, you know, in my mind a lot and I'm not you know, going through my life without paying them any, sending them any thoughts. Like I do actually spend a lot of time thinking about my friends, a lot of time actually thinking about people and just sending them like love through whatever channels I can, but it's not necessarily something that they're aware of. So, you know, I should be better at picking up the device and sending that text or whatever. And I I do do it, but I feel like there's some of my friends out there that I could be better at doing it for because they do mean more to me than it might look. Yeah, and that's just it. We need to decide who is really worth your time, Mm. right? Because we cannot prioritize like everybody. Everybody. No. It's not the way priorities work. Well, I'm going to just now do a blanket, hello, how are you? I'm reaching out to all of you and sending you love to every person who's crossed my path who I consider a friend right now on this medium. 
and I'm done for the year. Okay, that's pretty weak. Uh, <laughs> right. That's all I got the energy for. Yeah. But that's just it. Like deciding who's really worth your time is very important and that's prioritising like the quality of your relationships. When we do this sort of naturally, you know, your work friend doesn't get as much of you as your best friend and things like that. But it is key to being able to really sort of ration your energy by prioritizing and deciding who's really worth the time and effort. And then not only deciding that, but actually then allocating that time and effort to those people so that they feel it and they get it. I think, you know, I mean, we've talked about this in a podcast before, a relationship podcast, but the difference between sort of, you know, surface level friends and then friends with real depth. And the difference is in terms of vulnerability. And so you know that those three to five, your best friends, they, you are more vulnerable to those people. You go a little bit deeper with those people. And so the quality of that friendship deepens. And if you go around only talking about the weather and the rugby score to people, then it's much harder to maintain or to to generate a deeper friendship because that's the level that you're on. And, yeah, I mean, if you've got friends and you want to maintain it at that level, then sure, you only talk about the hobby or interests that you share, but that's that's as far as it is going to go. And quite often superficial relationships will just fizzle out over time. Another way to maintain your friendships is by being honest, right? Being honest about why you haven't been in touch very often. Being honest about how you feel. Because if you are dishonest, it is a very quick way to lose those friendships, right? And that leads you into if you are having trouble in your friendships, if there's sort of cracks in there, one of the things we have to understand is that nobody is perfect. None of your friends are perfect. And guess what? You ain't perfect either. But if you disagree on certain things, you need to address them. You need to be able to talk about them rather than let them fracture your friendship over something trivial. And you know this in your intimate relationships as well. Libby and I disagree on many things. But we're honest about them. We address them, we talk about them, and then that allows us to be able to continue to have a deep and meaningful relationship. And apologizing for those mistakes that you make in those friendships goes an absolute long way. You've had that sort of semi-recently around friends who have done things and then uh, that soured your take on the relationship, but then they apologize and you're like, oh, 
okay, that actually makes you feel better about the relationship. In that relationship, yeah, an apology went a long way. Yeah, yeah, I guess so because you you sometimes build up a story about what that whatever that person did and what that means about you um, and the friendship. Like, it, I guess recently I did it. There was a situation that made me think about um, whether the friendship meant the same to me as it did to the other person, and and me putting a lot of myself into that only to kind of be a bit hurt by it and then not having the conversation with that person about it at the time, not bringing it up because, you know, both of us like to avoid conflict, it turns out. Um, but then having, actually having that really honest, really quite difficult conversation eventually and resulting in an apology was, was really good. It was like, oh, wow, okay, well, we just, we needed to communicate the, the issue that was going on. We hadn't done that and now we've done that and we've both felt realized we felt bad about it and, and kind of went, oh my God, what a stupid thing to do in a friendship. Let's not do that again. And it's like kind of right-footed it again and made it made the relationship not necessarily deeper actually because I'm, I've learned to actually put up a little bit more of a boundary on how much I give to myself through people, but it's made it, I guess, another level. Yeah, it was not about deepening that relationship. It was about maintaining yeah. that relationship because Making you it. guys were going to lose that relationship. Yeah, or it was going to be downgraded into acquaintance. Yeah, sort of thing. Yeah, it kind of already felt like it had been lost. It was. It was very weird. It was a really strange situation. It was was where there was kind of no reason for it in my mind. I didn't know what had gone on, and. Yeah, to not be speaking to that person, but it'd be really awkward and uncomfortable. And then to have that conversation and realize, oh, well, we were both coming at it from completely different angles, but thinking the same thing sort of thing. And then, yeah, it was, it's definitely um, the honesty. We had to have an honest conversation because it would have just crashed and burned and been yeah. somebody I didn't speak to who I lived like in the same town as, which is really awkward. Yeah. But that's just it. You maintained a friendship by honesty mm. and apologies. Yeah. And so fucking yay. Yeah. That's the whole purpose of this. And it's, it was worth ma- ma- maintaining. Absolutely. Yeah. It's, it's, a, it's a really, she's a beautiful person. It's a beautiful friendship. It's one of, you know, I enjoy spending time with them. I enjoy um enjoy our moments together it's a good friendship it's worth having yeah. it's sad it made me sad not having it exactly for that short period of time so yeah it was definitely worth the the awkward conversation yeah so <laughs> well done you two <laughs> for maintaining a friendship well i guess as well when you get to my age and you've only got a few of them the, the everyone that you lose kind of hurts a little more and i end up being a hermit crab if i didn't yeah. If you don't maintain them, it's to your detriment. I don't want to be a lonely old lady one day, so exactly. Got to put the effort in. Exactly. It's it's like the old adage in um in business, which is it's like two and a half times easier to retain a customer than it is to get a new one, right? Yeah. And so this is sort of similar with friends. I suspect it'd be two and a half times easier to to keep a friend than go find a new one. But even though that's the case, and we're talking about main, maintaining friendships, 
you know, we need to stay open to be able to meet new people and make new friends. You know, that's that's still a big part of it as well, which is why we did that uh, episode on making friends after 30. Now, this is going to be a radical suggestion. You ready? No, you're Me? yawning. Yeah. Yeah, nah. I'm ready. The radical suggestion is invite people to things. <gasps> oh my God. It is radical. And yet people don't seem to do it very often. And they're like, oh, I'm so sad that this friendship has sort of dissolved away or isn't what it used to be. Well, if you would like it to not be that, invite people to stuff. And it can be real simple. We don't have to overthink it. It can be a coffee. It can be a walk. It can be an event. Doesn't have to be complicated. Now, if you invite a friend to something and they say no, okay, fine. Might be a decent reason. If you invite them again and they say no, if you invite them again and you say no, like three in a row, probably a good time and opportunity to take a look at that friendship and see what's going on. And on the flip side of that is if someone is going out and you know putting in the effort, coming up with ideas, putting something on to invite you to something, then accept the invitation. And then doubly actually turn up after you've, after you've accepted the invitation. And this is especially true if it is a newer friend or a newer group of people. Really important to accept that so that you can be part of the group or be part of that friendship. I think there needs to be a caveat there. Um, listening to you say that, like they're absolutely in a, in a perfect world where everybody's at the peak of their mental fitness, invite and be invited and turn up and, and put things on and do all of that, all of that reciprocal stuff. But you mentioned inviting somebody three times and if they don't turn up, maybe reassess the friendship. It's, in my mind, there's, and especially with what's been going on in the world for the last couple of years and especially knowing my mental state, um, late last year people were inviting me to things and I was turning them down and turning them down because I didn't have the energy I didn't have the mental fitness to be able to be there but I wasn't saying that because you don't want to burden people with with your stuff right so if somebody's turned you down three times in a row for events rather than just saying oh maybe they're not a good friend I won't invite them again or, or whatever reach out and go are you okay like that's an important distinction to make there because it's just because you're in a good place to be inviting someone doesn't mean they're in a good place to be accepting and vice versa. So just being mindful of, of it not being an expectation that someone turns up to everything they're invited to. You just don't know what's going on, right? Yep. You bring up a fantastic point and well said. And this is something that I actually talk about quite often at the end of my talks in regards to um, you know, what do you do for someone who has low mental fitness. and you know, a part of that answer is as you keep turning up for them. 
and you keep inviting them to things. And that was definitely something that happened to me is that I started consistently turning things down and down and down and then people stopped, stopped inviting me. And I just wish that that kept inviting me. And so your caveat is 100% correct, is that if, um, if you have an inkling that they're not in the best mental fitness space, then absolutely that is something that you can then understand. And then you start asking different questions. Instead of just inviting them out for coffee each time, you say, hey, I baked some scones. Can I bring them round to your place? Or even ask them, is there something you want to do? Yeah. Rather than yeah. It being your idea. Do you want to catch up for, put, you know, you pick something? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I- anything that can then allow you to have a better conversation with mm-hmm. them and be able to um, see if they're okay and go down that path. Yep. Perfect caveat. Thank you very much. Libby Grace. That's why we bring you along. Even, even when, when I'm tired. Yeah. And uh, so basically in the end, what we want to be able to do for these is in our friendships, we want to be able to make time and then show appreciation. Like there's nothing worse in a friendship than to feel like it's one-sided and that the other person doesn't appreciate what you do for that relationship. And so by, by making time, it shows these people that you're a priority to them. And then by showing appreciation, it shows that you value this relationship with them. And last but not least, a very simple thing, which is be a positive force in their life. Right, there's so much shit going on. If you want to maintain friendships, one of the simplest and easiest things to do is to be a positive force in the other people's lives. And that doesn't have to be, you know, like over the top positive or anything like that. It just means that your friendship adds value to their life. And then they will want to maintain it. And vice versa, obviously. And so being a positive force in their life can be as simple as Libby sending someone thinking of you, sending love. That is being a positive force in their life. They might have been having a gigantically shit day and they just got that random little thing from Libby and it just lifted them up and got them through some shit. It can be a walk that takes them away from the insaneness of their job. It can be a a shared activity that allows them to not think about their mental state for an hour or so. But you being a positive force in their lives makes it much, much, much more likely that they will be a positive force in yours. And so that's that's it really, isn't it? It's, It's what we're trying to do. We're trying to maintain friendships because they're valuable to us and to others. They help us live longer. They give us greater life satisfaction and it helps us not have one of the top five regrets of the dying. I value all of my friends and I hope they value my positive force in their lives. 
Thanks for turning up, Libby Grace, even though you're tired. I appreciate you. You're my best friend. That's cute. Same. Yeah, but that's a different special category. Right. Do I have to send you a text message now? No, you have to let me touch your boobies. All right, then. Different category. (laughs) I don't have other friends for that category. Pretty sure you just made that up. I know, I did. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. And again, we appreciate you very much. Hope this has helped you in some little way. And we will see you all again next week. Bye-bye now. That was Inside Out with Jimmy Hunt. See you next time.